Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I feel like you should really appreciate your come up. It's the most romantic part of your career. When you get past all the bullshit, then you're like, really, this was great. And it did happen for a reason, and the universe did make it go this way. A lot of the relationships that we put ourselves through are very temporary. People come in your life for a reason. Those reasons are the stories that you tell to other people. I think it's such a beautiful time right now where people are really being encouraged to celebrate their culture and celebrate their differences and celebrate things that we've maybe been made to feel ashamed of. Yo, what's up? What's up? It's Sean Leon. Hi, it's Myrna. What's up, guys? This is Khalid. Hey, what's up? It's Ali. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. Hey, welcome to The Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chuddle. I'm the host and founder of The Come Up Show. I hope you're enjoying our podcast each and every Wednesday, a brand new episode. If this is your first time tuning in, make sure you subscribe to The Come Up Show podcast available on all platforms. My special guest today, he's an artist, he's a drummer, manager. He does plays all sorts of roles. He goes by the name of Cola, and this is such an epic conversation. I knew... I knew when I was thinking about like, yo, who should I book for this week? And I saw his tweets. I'm like, Cola's got to come on the Come Up Show podcast. We talked about tour life. He tours with Sunreal and plays as the drummer. The decision of him quitting his full-time job and going all in in music, live performances, and so much more. Yo, this conversation, this podcast is so epic that I had to split it into two parts. You're now listening to part one. Part two comes out next week. If you haven't already, subscribe to the Come Up Show podcast. Without further ado, Cola on the Come Up Show. Let's go! Please introduce yourself. My name is Cola. Cola H for the full name. Actually, Cola Anthony Humphrey is the full name. Cola is Cola H is the abbreviation. So you can just call me Cola. It's easier that way. Representing what, Cola? I am representing a lot of things. I represent the black community. I represent the OVGMs. I am the drummer. I represent Claremont II as his manager and his older brother. I represent the west side of Toronto. That's Eglinton West. That's Western Road. That's all my people on Southside Jane, Jane Finch, everywhere. Uh, That's me and... uh, yeah, that's me, and that's what I read. Welcome to the Come Up Show, man. Hey, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. Like, I, I haven't been in an interview chair for a couple months, a few months. Mm. So to be back in one and with you, who I've known for a long time, is pretty awesome. So I'm excited. We're about to have some fun, get really, really yes, loose. Yes, we are. I'm trying to get comfortable. <laughs> I realize that these lights are really hot, and um, this sweater is really good. So I'm sweating. So I need to take this off. My apologies. It's going to be a great one. Uh, it's going to yeah. be a great one. We're going to go everywhere. Uh, and, you know, you've been talking a little bit about, you know, touring with Sunreal. Yeah. Uh, you play as his drummer. Yeah, I play as his drummer. Uh, I'm also uh, uh, the, the good-looking one of the crew. <laughs> 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 They're all going to hate that. 
It's actually L Train. L Train is the good looking one of the crew, but um but yeah, man, um man, that crew, eighteen fifty one, those are my boys. Mm. Love those guys. Where'd you guys go? What was the tour? Oh man, we went we started off in Victoria. So this is actually the second this is actually the second um leg. part yeah, the second leg of the tour. First leg of the tour was in November, December. Uh we started off in Vancouver then and then we, we went all around. So all around, all the way to the East Coast, and then all the way down um, throughout America. Uh, this second tour, well, which or the second leg of the tour, we started off in Victoria, and then we did uh, parts of the West Coast, like you know, Kamloops, Calgary, Edmonton, uh, Saskatoon, Winnipeg, and then we broke down into like Milwaukee, Cleveland. Um, you know, we did uh, we did Jacksonville, we did Tampa. We did, um, you know, Carborough, North Carolina, uh, you know, Dallas, we did mm. Austin. We did South by Southwest, uh, you know, got to see some homies there, Savannah Ray and Sean Leon. Mm -hmm. uh, we, you know, we came back around and then we did California, which was really, really dope. So we did San Diego, San Francisco and L.A. And our show was pretty damn live for an L.A. show. So L.A., uh, in a lot of cases, from what I'm hearing about it, sounds exactly like what Toronto is. So... Uh, the fact that the people were about it, the fact that people were getting down, the fact that people were jumping and really enjoying the music, like, it it, it, it was something special. It was hmm. something special to be a part of. So uh, I'm I'm happy that, that Sunreal and the crew, like, you know, uh, they, 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 they took me. And, um, you know, I'm forever grateful. And, you know, I'm still part of that team, man. What, do you, what have you been learning from that team and from tour life as well? Um... First of all, I learned, number one, that professionalism is everything in this business. And the reason why 90% of people, 95%, 98% of people never make it is because they do not have their shit together. Like, period. They, they don't. The one thing about that crew that, that impresses me more than any other crew is that they all have one common goal. And that one common goal is the success of the crew. Uh, essentially, Aaron Sunreal is the face of that crew. So everything to make Aaron mm. successful is everything to make everyone successful. Everybody plays their part. And when people didn't have a part, they found one. They found a part for themselves and they made it work. Everybody is on time. Um, everybody works hard. Everybody's honest with each other, man. And um, it's a beautiful thing to really, really, um, to really observe and to see what you can apply to your own crew. Like, you know, so the Phi is ours, right? The Phi is composed of me, Claremont, and Dent, who's also the lead singer of the band I'm a part of, which is the OBGMs, right? We have projects that we're working on right now, um, secret projects that are only a secret until they're no longer a secret. But, um, like, just watching how that crew moves and applying those same techniques to our mm. crew has, like, vastly changed everything. The five P-H-I. P-H-I, yeah. yes. So, Formerly um, known as the Wife Takers, or is that still around um, or not? <laughs> wife, wife Taker is gone. Um, so, just... All right, so just so everybody knows, like, we had a crew called Wife Taker, W-F-T-K-R. Um, whatever you think it is, sure, cool, right? Um, because of irreconcilable differences amongst friends uh we me and dens broke apart we 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 broke a part of that we're still friends with 
with everybody in that crew. But um, that that's also something else that everybody should know. Just because somebody is your homie, it doesn't mean that doing business with them is always going to be the best thing uh, for the success of that crew. It, it, it just doesn't work that way. Minds are different. Um, techniques are different. And if you can't, if you can't accept that, it's going to falter. And that's exactly what happened. So we abandoned it. Uh, we left it alone. I took my wife, essentially. Mm-hmm. This is wife taking So I got <laughs> married. And, um, you know, uh, Denzel's basically married. And um, uh, essentially so is Claremont. So we, so we decided or discussed... Um, what's going to be this new moniker that represents us us three since we're going into business together and that became the five um people of high influence mm. so that's us people of high influence yes okay and that's us so um yeah so you you grew past it cuz in all sig- yeah. every single way so yeah yeah we we grew past it and like you know a lot of people are you know are going to listen to this and probably be like, wife tag, that sounds, that sounds like this. And that, it, it wasn't that right. But obviously I could see how people can see something like that and be like, like, Oh yeah, this is a problem. So mm. like, but you know, whatever I, I, if I cared what people thought, there's a lot of things I wouldn't have quit corporate if I cared what people think. Mm. And clearly this is working out better than corporate was for me. Cause I was depressed and, um, you know, you can have a lot of money in your pocket, but if you hate your life, what's the money worth? Nothing. So here mm. I am. So still not listening to people. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> and tell me a little bit about that. Uh, like, I think I saw like an Instagram thing where quote, it says, this forehead has seen more in the last year and a half than working in corporate for six years. Yeah. Um, it's exactly that. So um while I was working so I was working in advertising I went to school for advertising met some of the greatest people I know up till this day in school great met very interesting people in corporate like working in advertising great people lots of great people matter of fact lots of great untapped potential in Mm -hmm. corporate the thing is is like I mean we could we could discuss what is a sellout right being a sellout is, well, my definition of sellout is the fact that you no longer can, sust- or you don't believe you can sustain yourself with what you truly believe. So you conform in order to eat. That's selling out. Conforming in order to eat. Like conforming your beliefs, conforming your time, conforming your energy. That's what I believe. There's, a market for everything, right? There's painters that I know that are amazing. There's vocalists that I know that are amazing, screenwriters, all these different things and people. And the thing is, is that um, when you get put into, when you get put in front of, of a desk every day and you're working on stuff that you genuinely do not care about, it takes it eats away at you and then because it eats away at you it eats away at your mind and those frustrations play out in your life and um some people are cool with corporate i don't want to i'm not shitting on those people if you're cool mm-hmm. with corporate you're not selling out 
you're cool with what you have. And and that's a beautiful thing. But there's a lot of people that um, you know they want more out of life. And, you know, truthfully, like, selling out your, your soul for money, like, can bring a whole lot of a host of other problems, man. Hmm. Like, you think about these dudes that, like, that, you know, are alcoholics. Like, and you think about these dudes that, like, you know, maybe... And, and I'm relating it to men because I mostly know men and I'm a man. Mm-hmm. But, like, you think about dudes that, like, you know, probably have, like, verbally abusive relationships with their lady, which is messed up. You think about dudes that probably cheat on, on, on their women, which is which is messed up. And, like, all this stuff is relating to relating to me being a husband now because it's one of the newest and greatest things in my life. But, mm. like, and, like you know, how to be a good husband. And it's just like, I'm not saying that I would have done any of those things, like, if I had stayed there, but I can see how corporate can basically suck the life out of you where you feel like you need an extra part of life or something to drown out the depression that you have or to drown out the anger you have because you're sitting at a desk all day or you're swinging a hammer all day or or you're living a life you don't want to live, period. Hmm. I I, I want to uh, so I want to make sure that people don't get it wrong. Yeah. So let's get, give you a scenario. If if a person is working at nine to five and and but then after five till whatever mm-hmm. they're working on that passion, that thing that they love, and they're trying to make that as sustainable as possible. In the meantime, that nine to five is paying their bills, but they have a goal. Yeah. That's not a sellout, right? That's not a sellout. Okay. That that allow, allow me to go yeah. deeper. Yeah. If you are constantly working on what you truly love and the job supports that goal, all all powers to you. Because that's what I was doing Mm -hmm. until I realized that I was so deep into corporate that I wasn't working on my stuff. And I was starting to feel like a sellout. So if you work in advertising, anybody who works in advertising, especially on the creative side, um, the hours go beyond nine to five. The hours a lot of times go nine to 12, right? And then you think about it, by the time you get home, (laughs) there's nothing left, right? Even for your spouse, there's nothing left. Even for your loved ones, your friends, there's nothing left, right? So they bring all these kind of things to kind of sort of keep you there, right? So um, when I first started working uh, at unnamed, you know, agency, like they had a beer cart, which is very, very, very common throughout all at agency. A beer? A beer cart. cart. So so every yeah. Friday, yeah. like, it would roll around, yeah. and um, you get a beer. And, you know, depending on which agency and how much money they're making, sometimes you pay for it, sometimes you wouldn't. Like, or depending on if your client was a beer client, yo, that's cool. Like, I'm not saying that any of these things are not cool, but when it's draining you and you're depressed and this is the only thing in your life that is really taking true precedence... And you try to justify it because you're like, you know, this this is my life. Mm-hmm. Like this is it. That's selling out. Okay, you're because not you're ba- not going for more. Because you're basically selling yourself short. Exactly. Right. You yeah. could you, you could definitely be you know you ha- you could definitely be capable of more. You're just selling yourself short and then making excuses for that. Okay. Exactly. And yeah. sorry yeah. to cut you off there. No. To get back to what you originally asked, which is the the, the post that I made. Yeah. Before, I, so I quit my job. Um, you know, I love all the people there. I I quit, and um, 
uh, everything that I had fell through. So I had a, a solo publishing deal for myself and a so, solo publishing deal for my brother that we had up in the air, uh, a tour and a whole lot of other things, a record deal and this and that. And um, they all fell through as soon as I quit my job. And I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it. So the same week I proposed to my now wife and uh, I put pedal to the metal. I started knocking on doors and like, you know, how do I do this? How do I do this? How do I do this? I got a lot of friends in the industry, uh, some of which are very uber successful at this and um, some that are a lot further than me. So I just sat down and I asked them. And then before I knew before I knew it, um, Claremont was opening for Sunreal on, on a mini, like, you know, a little 401 tour. And um, that was the beginning. And um, and then from there, like, you know, a few months down the line, we're on an international tour with Sunreal, like me and Claremont. And then Sunreal asked me to be his drummer because he saw that I drummed for the OBGMs. And that was just the start of a lot of amazing things. A week after I got married, like, we were up in the UK doing shows and stuff like that with the OBGMs. And then, like, you know, and then fall rolls around. Or before fall rolls around, I'm getting flown across the country to play drums on people's records and stuff like that. And then um, and then I'm on another tour and this and that. And all these great things are happening. So I've seen more progress throughout one year, really, throughout one year than I have, like, being a part-time musician uh, working at my job. Um, and that speaks to availability. Um, availability is everything in this industry. Um, I think um, Woody Allen was the one who said years ago, you know, before, um, you know, it really got publicized that he married his daughter, <laughs> <laughs> that um, success is 80% showing up. And it is. Be there. Be there. Be available and um, watch how things turn out for you. And that's what it's been for me. That's what it's been for Claremont. So By that being being available, is it like what? Showing up to networking events, showing up to like uh, shows what, or what is it? Whatever yeah. you can benefit from yeah. is what's going to benefit you um, mm -hmm. as long as you find a lesson. A lot of people can't find what to pull from certain experiences. So they just declare it a waste of time. And if that's the case, I mean, that's every, everything is perspective as well. So, um, you know, if they see s certain things as a waste of time, cool. But if they could pull a lesson from it, then there's a lesson to be pulled from. Hmm. Like, you know, or if there's, uh, you know, somebody that you can meet that could be pulled from it. It's anything that you could go to that you can learn from. If you can learn, that's the right place to be. I want I want to go through the decision of you thinking when you had the corporate job, but thinking about quitting and then like going through that whole thought process because that's a major one for anybody to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, tell me about that. The thought process was that, just like you, first-generation Canadian, when you go to college or university or whatever, the, the dream that your parents sell you as to why you should go to school is that you could get a reputable job and essentially basically make your way to becoming rich, Right. We, we get, and, and everything that surrounds us in this day and age is what, what tells us that we can get it quickly. Um, you know, we, we keep hearing about these 23-year-old kajillionaires that, you know, make some goofy invention or some goofy app, and, it, you know, everybody loves it. Like, you know, that flappy bird and all that crap. So 
or you hear about these young prodigies on the the Cannes Lions. Like that was for me because advertising, right? You hear about these young people who really, really want advertising, right? Like maybe their parents was, was was in it or maybe they were always intrigued by billboards or different ads that they saw on TV, like for Juicy Fruit or, or you know, Fruit Roll-Up or whatever. So you see those people thrive and they're getting paid. They're getting paid. Like, you know, they're getting money. So you, you look at it and you're like, well, if I go to school, I could be that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'll just do that. But the thing is, is that um, then you actually get a job in advertising like me, you realize that it's not necessarily like that. And then you also realize that I've never really loved this. I just went to school because my parents told me to get an education and that they would kick me out if I didn't, right? So, you know, I start rising the ranks, and that's cool. I get a new job. That's cool. Hmm. And then I realize that I I really don't give a fuck about any of this shit. Like, I, I don't. It took me a year to fully admit that. And then I, you know, what was the icing on the cake was, is that I was, I was still doing shows. We released our album um, and all these great things were happening um, with music. We got put in a, a Budweiser ad. They were able to get us in touch with Live Nation that got us down to Made in America and you know, we were able to get on these these tours and, like, we had a booking agent and, like, all these things that independent artists never get, right? And then we're making great money. Like, really, really great money. We This is touring with your band. OBGMs. This is touring with the OBGMs. Yeah. We were making great money. And I, I don't want to put it out there like uh, we were, like, you know, it was going into our pockets. We put it back into the business because we said if the business grows and if we keep doing that, it's going to put everything over the edge. And all we had was our manager and our booking agent. And truthfully, side note, I think that's all people really need. And maybe PR. I'm still trying to understand PR, I, but PR is also another necessary part of that equation uh, to be successful. Marketing. Yeah, marketing and all that. And, like, they put you in... We'll talk about that more later. Yeah. But, so, all these great things are happening. You know, um, I'm, I'm taking days off here, there, or I'm, I'm leveling up my, my, my days off and stuff like that so that I could go on these tours. And then we get called over to Europe. And, you know, we're playing Iceland. And Iceland's going crazy for us. And Germany. And Germany's going crazy for us. And Belgium. And all these different places. And, you know... Prior to prior to all of the success for the for the OBGMs, I had never really been on a plane. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. Like I had never really been on a plane. I, I at eight years old we went to to Florida, right? And then other than that, like we've been to New York, but we always drove there or took the bus there, right? But so this was like I was seeing the world doing music, and I was just like, man, this is everything, like. So then I was like, man, I got to figure out a way to get out of here. I, I, mm. I got to figure out a way. And I was working on a solo rap project. A lot of people don't know this. And, you know, I spoke to Sean Lee recently, but I didn't speak to him about this. He he probably doesn't even remember this. I actually opened for Sean Leon, like, when he was coming out, like, with his first record, the Maui, Swim, the, the Maui Slim shit. Mm. Like, it was it was hard, but I opened for him. Like I wow. op right before he hit the stage. Where was this? This was at 
um, the, the Drake. No, it was at some bar on on Bloor, east of Bathurst. It no longer exists. It was on um, wrong, wrong bar. No, it was on. It's next to wrong bar though. Hmm. Um, wait, not wrong bar. Yeah, it's next to wrong bar. But um, I can't remember. It's like a poutine place or an ice cream place now. I can't even remember. Mm. That place changes so much. But I opened for him. And, like, you know, thinking about that and how I kind of let my solo project, like, kind of just fade and thinking about the fact that the OBGMs are doing all these cool things and, you know, we're going to France. And I was just like, man. And then I, to come back to work and have water cooler talk and it's just like, yo, what did... Yo, what did you do this weekend? And I'm genuinely interested to see what people did this weekend. Like, I want to hear something like, you know, um, you know, my 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 kids really into painting, so I took her to a painting class. That would have been excellent. But you start hearing like, you know, I I just kind of hung around the apartment, you know, finally got to relax, and that's it. And you know that their day to day is being at the office. And only being at the office because when you're there till midnight, you're there with them, right? And that made me really sad because I said, if I continue on like this, I'm going to be that mm-hmm. instead of being this guy. Because every weekend they'd ask me what I'm doing and I'd be like, yo, check my Instagram. Like, you know, we just we just went here. We just went there. We just did all this cool stuff. And um, so th- from then I started uh, planning my escape. What, uh, so you were saying like the last time you've been on a plane was eight years old going to Florida. Yeah. Uh, can you tell me the experience when you're like, when you, uh, uh, go, where did you arrive first? Like the, the, the first flight? In the European, in, the, in Europe. Iceland. Okay, so you arrived to Iceland and then you start seeing the world. Like, what did that do to your mind, to your brain? Because when you just stay yeah. in Toronto all, like your whole <sighs> life and then you leave and you're like, what? It was like... It was like going into the Matrix. Like, you know, only things are a lot more beautiful and less bleak. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, the blue pill, red pill, and then this one. Yeah. Brings you, it, it was like seeing the opposite. Like, it was like, it was like witnessing Nirvana. Like, like seeing, seeing, seeing heaven. Like, you know, your your mind opens up and, you, you know, you go to a place and uh, everybody looks different than you. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so for an example, in Iceland, like seeing ice blonde people, like I've, I've not seen that many blonde people in a row. Like, but they're all like native to that land. Right. And, um, you know, there's there's volcanic activity in the ground when you're flying and you're about to hit the the ground like you know you see it you see the hole with, with with the lava and all that stuff and and everywhere else is just like mad icy actually it's really green Iceland is very green mm. but like and then you there's only four hours of daylight when we went like and to see all these like buildings that are older than three hundred years old you know what I'm saying and and everybody's there for music to listen to music and enjoy music. And you're like, damn, man, like, this is amazing. Like, you instantly never want to go back to Toronto. 
Because there's, there's a couple layers there. Because just if you're just a, you know, a person who's not a musician, and when you travel, it opens up your mind. But then yeah. you have travel and music. Yeah, the, yeah. Those it came together. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. It, it came together. Because it came together, um, it, combined, it combined my favorite thing to do, right, which is music, to my new favorite thing, which is travel, right? Seeing. Like, it's, it's like, you know what it is? It's like anybody who's into reading or into movies, right? When you watch a new movie, it does something to you, especially if it's a great movie. If you read a new book and, and it does something to you, like, it, it does something big to you, especially if it's a great book, right? And it opens your mind. It, it opens something that you didn't know was asleep at all, right? We're, this is actually something that I, I was thinking about talking about before I got here. We're creatures of habit, right? humanity's biggest disease is habit. It's the one thing that gets us fat. It's the one thing that gets us sick. It's the one thing that, like, and and obviously I'm glossing over it, whatever, like, or glossing over the fact that I'm, I'm making a very, very broad statement. But the thing is, is, like, when you think about humanity, like, crawling out of the ooze or, or you know, craw, craw, crawling out of the mud, like, you know, in the Bible, or whatever you believe, if you believe... When humanity was was first here, in order to survive and not get ripped apart by a, a pack of wolves or a lion or something like that, there's different things that you had to do in order to stay safe. And it was never an everyday thing. Every day was different, right? Now we live in a in a place where we 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 go to the job every every day from from Monday to Friday. And then we go to church on Sunday and it's a habit. We have a routine, right? And there's nothing different about it. And we get used to it and then we get home and then we're tired because we're just doing the same thing. Instead of doing all these different things that could really, really expand your mind and really, really allow you to, to discover new things and discover new things not only about the world but about yourself. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been thankful enough to experience all these new things. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really fortunate because of it. So, hmm. yeah, man. So, like, tell me about when you, like, decided, like, you can, you, you're going to quit. Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. when I quit, um, uh, I, I got put into a couple of commercials uh, for StubHub and Moosehead. And I'm I'm very thankful for them. Yourself and as a mod, like as a model, like well, an actor or whatever. As an yeah. actor, yeah, yeah. Ironically, both as a drummer, which was pretty dope. So um, uh, Didier, our our uh, our band's old manager, he hooked us up, or he hooked me up with that. So I'm I'm infinitely thankful to him. So shout out to Didier. Um, uh, so I was able to amass like a certain amount of dough on top of working on top of a few other music things that I was doing outside of the OBGMs. Because the OBGMs, we we were just focusing all that dough back into the OBGMs business. And um, I I was like, okay, cool. Like, you know? And then I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? Maybe if I just stay just a little longer, like, at my job. Like, maybe if I just stay. For the purposes of saving more money or? Yeah, for the yeah. purposes of saving more money. I was going to stay for another year. Mm. And... Then, I don't know, um, I was hopping off the bus one day, and one of my mentors, shout out to Riri, uh, Riri Phillips, uh, she, I hopped off the bus, 
And she's like, Cola, how you doing? I'm seeing all these great things you're doing. And I was like, yeah, man, like, you know, just coming from work, just coming from the job. She's like, you know, you don't have to work that job no more. And for some reason, when she said it, it just clicked. And then that night I drafted up my resignation letter and I never looked back. Uh, I gave my two week notice. Wow. Yeah, man. She just said, you know, you don't have to work that job. There was something, if you believe in a higher power, which I do, I'm Christian, but if you believe in like divine intervention, there was something very angelic about her hop, like just how she greeted me. And when she said it, it was like God talking. You know, you don't have to work that job anymore, right? And I was just like, for some reason, because I've heard other people say that before, but it never really clicked. When she said it, it, it was angelic. And I don't know why, but I knew it was the right thing. And I quit. I, I quit my job. Hmm. Yeah. Um, not everybody has those experiences. So I'm very thankful for that one. There was something. So pay attention to those things like that. Pay attention to life, period. A lot of people don't pay attention to anything. Like, so, and that's why they're struggling with with everything. (laughs) Mm. But yeah, man, if you're attentive to life, like the, like there's a lot of things that uh, can't necessarily be explained that, um, that just happened. And that just happened. And I was just like, I was like, it's time. And I bounce. How do you become more aware of paying attention to stuff? So, like, to just just being attentive to to any and everything. Like, if you, it, I I I can't really explain. I don't have a good answer. It's hard hard to explain. It's, right? it's hard to explain, yeah. man. Like, I I think if if something is divine, you can't ignore it. Um, I think mm-hmm. yeah, if something is divine, you definitely can't ignore it. What are the things that could stop you from paying attention or being aware? At least, being, would you like being a creature of habit and yeah. a, of routine, being used to routine to the point where it's destructive. I used to be in a really, really horrible. I I don't want to call it a relationship. It wasn't really that before I started dating my wife. Um, I was in a really, really, very, very strange uh, uh, relationship that I tried to leave multiple times. And when I tried to leave it, um, I always got sucked back in. And you always get sucked back in for, for different reasons. Uh, um, the, the comfort of, 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 of good sex, if that's what it is, the comfort of company, the comfort of, um, of, of just having a story to tell. And um, being comfortable in things that you know is not necessarily good for you or them um, and ignoring the the factors that keep you there is what's going to keep you there. Does that make sense? Like, I, like a, a lot of times people, like, the, what they want to do, people, people, like, you know, the cake and eat it too. Like, you want your cake and eat it too. So you want to eat your cake, but you also want to look at your cake like it's perfect. But it can't be perfect if you're taking bites out of it. Like, it, it doesn't work like that, right? You have to choose one or the other. And the thing is, is like, if you want something better for your life, but you know this one thing is not necessarily positive for you or that person, don't ignore that. Don't ignore it if you don't know. Don't ignore anything that you know is not positive for you. Do not ignore that. Get rid of it. Period. 
Hmm. You know, and a lot of times we we hold on to things that are not good for us because it's comforting. Like I, I have friends that that like matter of fact, not even friends. Me, I ha- I love honey glazed donuts, man. I love honey glazed donuts, man. They're awesome, but I work out a lot, right? I know that this honey glazed donut is not good for me, but I keep eating them. I just bought some more Annette's donuts, you know, from like, from like, holy, those, those donuts are wild, right? I know they're not doing anything positive for my body, just my tongue, but I keep eating them. I have to expel that soon so that I can keep this fitness up, keep this body up. You know what I mean? I have to stop ignoring it before I get a gut. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. Maybe that would be the chunk to cut and put right there instead of that long-winded answer that I gave before. (laughs) (laughs) So how how are you going to do it? How are you going to stop this honey-glazed donuts addiction? (laughs) You you, you know what? Uh, As much as I love honey-glazed donuts, I actually really love fruits and vegetables. I love, like, making my own smoothies. I make them every morning for for me and my wife Mm -hmm. before she sets off and goes to work. Like, I, I make them. Maybe the trick is to completely drown myself in fruits and vegetables. I'm going to do it. I'm going to shake this habit, man. I'm going to shake. And it's not as bad as, like, you know, smoking crack or shooting heroin or sniffing crystal meth off of a switchblade or whatever. It's it's not as bad, but you know what? That's just the example. You know what I mean? The example of something that you know that's not positive for you and how to shake it. You just got to shake it, man. Like, it's hard. It's hard because the donut is delicious, man. But I'm going to do it. But I, I hope to do it sooner than later. I know I got to shake it. I'm with you, bro. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sorry about that. I wish you well. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Banzugo. Banzugo makes it easy to build a stunning website for your music in minutes. Choose from hundreds of mobile-friendly themes. Then customize your design and content in a few clicks with Banzugo's easy visual editor. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in including tools to sell your music and merch commission-free right on your website, mailing list tools to grow your fan list and send newsletters, integrations to pull in content from all your online services like Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. Banzuko plans start at $8.29 a month and include your free custom domain name, Go to Banzuku.com to try for free for 30 days and be sure to use the promo code CHEDO15. That is C-H-E-D-O-15 to get 15% off the first year of your subscription. Banzugul websites built for musicians by musicians. Okay, Ben. So we're going to get to uh, some of your tweets. I think that's the reason why I contacted you uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I was thinking, hmm, who should I have on a podcast next? And I see you tweeting. Just before. Uh, on your threads. You continue on that. Okay. Just before you do. Yeah. I've gotten in trouble for my tweets. Like, actual trouble. Like, um, so, cool. Everything I say, I don't take back. I've had to apologize to someone who took my one of my tweets really wrong. Um and I apologized to him and I hope it was it was heartfelt when I apologized to him. So shout out to 
if he's listening, he knows who he is. So, uh, big ups to that guy. Um, other than that, I don't apologize for anything I heard. Okay. Well, these aren't, I don't think these are uh, personal. No, no, no. Uh, uh, it's never and, personal. And, um, yeah, like if you're taking... If you're taking offense to something that's uh, general, then some, that's that's on you, in my opinion. I uh, agree, but, you know. Okay, so <laughs> you went to South by Southwest recently, and uh-huh. uh, you tweeted that South by Southwest is not the place to sell your CD <laughs> when everyone is downloading records for free. Yeah, yes, that's very true. So South by Southwest was really, really interesting for me because everybody's sort of selling the same thing. On a hip-hop front. So, I was walking one day by myself just to check out, like, 6th Street in Austin. And it it was bumping. Like, it, it looks almost like Caravana. Like, you know. And um, this guy came up to me. And, he, you know, he obviously wanted to give me his music. So, I was like, cool. So, I'm holding the CD. And I'm noticing that he's still holding on to the CD. And he's just like, yeah, man, this is new music, blah, 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 out of, I can't even remember. And he's just like, five, like, you know, uh, we're asking $5. And I let go of the CD instantly. Like, I've never heard your music. You think I'm going to pay money for this? No. No, I'm not. I don't care how hard you worked on it. I don't know you. I, I've never heard your music. I've never been to your shows. You're just some guy on the street trying to sell a CD. Man, he should want me to want to listen to his record. Like, he should want me to, right? So if you spend $200 to give out 200 CDs, right, you just invested in your own career. If you're trying to get paid right at the front, at the start of your career, and and truth, truthfully, your career doesn't start until you're, like, literally on the map. And when I say on the map, I mean on the map, like, to to where more than just your home city knows you. Like, that's when your career starts. And, like, he he obviously, if he was trying to get me to pay $5, he doesn't want me to listen to his music because somebody told him that he should be getting paid and uh, didn't realize the fact that he has no equity in this business yet because I didn't recognize him and nobody recognized him because he was trying to sell CDs. All I remember is that he was trying to sell something without getting me to listen to it. And that's mm. the dumbest thing ever. That's like trying to sell you clothes and you've never seen the clothes before. You're working backwards. Sense. Yeah, working backwards. Hey, hey, listen. I'll give you this I'll give you this fruit that you've never seen in your life, but I need $15 for it. Nah, I I've never seen that fruit. I've I've been living for like, you know, 25, 30 years already. I've never seen that fruit before. I could live without it and keep my $15. Mm. I I thought you were going at it cuz they were Pitching a CD when you thought like, like that's an old technology. I thought, I thought that's why you were tweeting about it. That too. Yeah. That too. The, the the thing is, is it is an old technology on top of that, right? But here here's also, even though it's an old technology, so is vinyl. So is tapes. So is magazines. All these different products. Anything could be sold as long as it's sold correctly. Anything can be sold as long as it's sold correctly. Mm, okay. So whether it's old or new, people still read newspapers, man. That is the oldest of technology. People still read books. That is the oldest of technologies. But when it's sold in context and it's sold right, 
it will sell, right? He's clearly not smart. If he was like, man, I don't have $200 to invest in this CD to give away for free, what he should have done was give out download cards. Exactly, yeah. Because he would have spent he would have spent a fraction of the price. I I legit would have went to his SoundCloud page if he had it or his Spotify page because I'm a fan of music. I'm obsessed with this industry. I'm obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with music. So when I when somebody gives me something to listen to, guaranteed I'm listening to it. If if you don't hear back from me, I probably didn't like it. Mm. Unless you reach me back and like, yo, did you like it or did you not? Or do you have any? Like, that's probably what it is. But but you can make them do a call to action right now. Like, for example, when I'm talking about my podcast to somebody who's never heard it. Yeah. Right? I talk to them. I say, this is the what how uh, these are the topics or these are the guests that I've had yeah. that I'm interested in. I'm like, all right, do you have your phone on you? Yeah. yeah. Pull it out right now. Bam. Okay. What kind of phone do you have? iPhone, yeah. Android, pull up the Google Play app or Apple podcast. Yeah. yeah Search yeah. the come up show. Hit that subscribe button right now. Bam. And, and like, you know, I've been following Come Up Show for a long time. And even when you put, like, those little clips of, like, the, the video of... of audio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, the audio and stuff like that yeah. where, 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 where the interview is going down. Yeah. Right? To give them a taste of, of what they get to get. Mm. Right? It's kind of like... And this is probably not the best example to use publicly, but it just came to mind. But, like, when drug dealers, when they're new to the block... They give out a sample of what they're selling and then they let the fiends come after, right? And the reason they do that is because they don't know you. They need to know that your product is good. Otherwise, they don't come. Otherwise, it's like, I don't know you. It's that simple. But anyway, sorry. I know it's not the most positive. No, it's, it's, it's a real thing that happened and it's uh, they know how to sell. Yeah, yeah, they they're know the how to sell, man. sellers, okay? And, and that's why... Uh, you know, you know, I can't speak for a lot of the new guys, but for, for a lot of the older guys and and even some guys that I know, like that's why they're successful in the music industry, um, even coming from a life that was crazy. It's because they understand supply and demand. They understand how to pitch product. So, hmm. I mean, that's that. So Another tweet. I'm happy to embrace this new generation of rap, but when it comes to live performance, I have standards. 95% of y'all aren't meeting the mark. Yes. So I saw a lot of a lot of great performances. So this is in relation, I know that was the South by Southwest thread. Um I saw a lot of performances. And um I saw a lot of great ones. And, um, you, you know, shout out to Savannah Ray and Sean Leon and shout out to like, uh, people that may not know me that I saw them. So do you remember Buddy? He was signed, uh, to Pharrell's I Am Other. Hmm. I'm not sure. You'll look him up after. Buddy. Buddy. Buddy is great live. He, he like, so, so, so Sean Topaz Jones, who's also really dope. Uh, this girl named Liv. Hmm. And and Buddy all performed on the same bill. I got to see that show. It was one of my favorite shows of the entire festival. Great performances all throughout the night. Then I went to Sixth Street, and I was just walking by and seeing different performances. And people don't perform no more, man. Like so, back in the day when you used to have to be an MC, like when you used to have bars and stuff, like or had to have bars. It was more than just bars. You had to have vocal projection. 
Like, you had to have stage presence. You had to show that you could rock a mic, but also rock the crowd. Because that was the job. That's your job. Essentially, you're a preacher, right? And you could preach an old, boring sermon, or you could have the people stomping their feet or, you know, waving their hands. And the thing is, is that a lot of people got people waving their hands and stomping their feet. But there's two types of performances. And you want to be the person that does both in one. There's one that translates to the crowd and there's one that translates to camera, right? You can have one or the other, but you want both. And a lot of people are doing aerobics on stage, right? You know, they're jumping, they're saying, yeah, yeah, in the mic, they're only being a hype man. And a lot of those people only should be hype men because they're good at that. They need to also be able to show that they have skill as well. Hmm. Because if you if you want to talk about longevity, you can't last doing that because that's the flavor of the month. Jumping up, hype man in your own track right now, that's the flavor of the month. That's what everybody wants right now. When the dust settles, when it clears, what happens when you have to go to, um, what happens when you got to go to Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon or, or, or you, you know, Stephen Colbert and do a live performance, right? You can't do that because the people in the crowd, they do not do that. That's not what they're there for. They got chairs. They're, they're sitting, sitting in their chairs. They're sitting in their chairs, Yeah. right? You got to be able to perform and, and show that you are a performance artist, right? Being an artist is being more than a studio artist, being more than an aerobics instructor, you know, which is what they're all doing. You have to be able to show that you got skill as well. Right. Like and you know what? I really hope that a lot of the artists that I saw that were doing that same act that wasn't working either because everybody down there rap, in my opinion, at South by Southwest lost and it lost because everybody was doing the exact same thing. Everybody was trying to be um, Travis Scott. Right. Everybody was also trying to like everybody, you know, had had purple dreadlocks and everybody was jumping like that on the mic and it it wasn't translating well. Everybody was rapping over their tracks like it wasn't an instrumental they were rapping on. They they're just rapping over the tracks and it shows that they they don't actually have live performance skill. They don't know how to read a crowd. They don't know how to. Like, they don't know how to control a crowd because most of the crowds that I saw that were around for those performances weren't even good. Like, the crowds were kind of just had had their arms folded. And the reason they had their arms folded is because they're all the, the same people that are pitching the same product. You know mm. what I mean? Because it's so saturated that the, the, the bar from the audience perspective is higher because I've seen that, you know, so many artists like what what's special about you there, there's nothing special about it and they're not showcasing that they actually have skill because anybody can hype man a track anybody could jump up on stage and jump to their own track but they're only jumping to their own track they're not providing the vocals with it they're not showing that they that they have the capacity to hit those notes live they're not showing that they're just they just kind of showcase to showboat their own tracks I think what's what I think one of the things that I maybe I'm noticing is, uh, you know, you can get on SoundCloud now mm -hmm. and get popping and like have 
thousands of followers mm -hmm. and have not even performed once in front of a live crowd. Yeah. And... And it's very easy. It used to be the opposite. You would have to do tons of open mics shows and like you really do, would develop yourself in front of 20, 30 or whatever yep. people. And by the time you get to hundreds of people and like you're at that level, you're ready to go. But now with streaming and online, it just gets you there so quickly. But you haven't your show like your show skills have not caught up. Yeah. 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 Just haven't. Well, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's a lot of people. Um, there's a lot of people that are getting on without necessarily um, going through the grind of, of being an artist, right? Shout-outs to those people because that means they had a product that connected with people that allowed them to make money and make a living off of a dream that a lot of people are trying to get. Shout-out to those people. However, there comes a point in time where you have to decide if this is something that you're doing because you, you wanted to do something fun or if this is really the thing that you want to do for the rest of your life. And if you want longevity, a fast climb, a 15 minutes, the difference between 15 minutes and forever is skill, passion. Like it's a cocktail of a number of things that keeps you on top. And a lot of people, they only got like, it's, like, you know, you make a cocktail, you, you know, you, you, you know, you have the alcohol, whatever, whatever spirit it may be. And then you have a whole lot of other things that makes that drink, that makes that a Manhattan, that makes that a margarita, that makes that a martini. Right. But if you only have the alcohol, that's all you get. But people like, you know what I mean? People want more than just the alcohol. You know what I mean? They want flavor in it, too. They want something that'll be able to to last beyond being cool right now. Mm. And I, I think that's why someone like Kanye West is such a big, important figure to everybody in in rap music right now. And and more than just rap music. It's because he's always searching. If it was about money, he wouldn't care. Like he would have been done if it was just about money. He probably would have had one good album, not, not, maybe two, maybe three, and that would be it. But this is about way more for him, which is why he keeps trying to push the boundary. He keeps trying to do things. We was talking, I was talking to somebody, I was talking to a group of people recently, and I told him that Yeezus is my favorite album because it was like his most experimental to date, right? And, you know, somebody's like, that's his worst album. His most experimental album is is, is this. And then there was this whole argument that just happened, right? And just the fact that we we're all talking about it, it, it showed that, like, man, what he drives for is so much more than just being cool right now. And I think a lot of people right now just want to be cool. And, 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 and with Kanye especially, like, they would... Jesus, like five years later, they're like, oh my God, this is so influential. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and of course that's going to happen, right? Because now everybody's trying to sound like Jesus, right? And 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 I got that as soon as I heard it. And a lot of people, it took them a while to catch up and, and see that. I'm not saying, like, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm clairvoyant or whatever. I can see the future, but... <laughs> I'm clairvoyant and I could see the future. So They say that <laughs> when the 808s and Heartbreak came out, people weren't fucking with it, but then... Oh, yeah. The it, whole sh it shaped the whole generation. The whole man. generation. It shaped the whole generation. And that's because he was looking for beyond what was here right now. There's a lot of people that make 
a lot of records right now. The, the, the problem with everything, like, right now, like, I'm down to embrace the new generation, as I said, right? But the problem is right now is that everybody's trying to make the same record as opposed to trying to one-up the next person. Mm. Me and Claremont, we, we, we were sitting down, you know, just me, Claremont, and a couple of the homies, and... We were listening to some some old stuff. We were listening to we were watching Buster Rhymes videos, old ODB, and we were watching we were watching just a bunch of those old guys. None of those guys sound the same, and that's what made it crazy. That's what made it crazy competitive. On top of that, we we're talking like we were watching a Noriega video. That guy raps off beat on purpose, right? I heard some records where he's actually rapping like with a different style and it didn't work. And then he found his own. And then Super Thug came out. Super Thug was huge. Mm. That anyway, I could talk about this all day, but you know what I'm saying, right? Like I, I feel like I'm rambling. I apologize. No, you're not. You're making a lot of sense. Okay, cool. You're, cool. you're making a lot of sense. All right, in which case. <laughs> Yo, this conversation was so epic that I had to split it into two parts. Stay tuned to part two coming out next week. If you haven't already, subscribe, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, search the Come Up Show podcast, and make sure you want to tune in for part two of my epic conversation with Cola on the Come Up Show podcast. My name is Chad Oya. I'll see y'all next week. Peace. Peace.